0: Church, all right, I think I got everything ready here, have my tablet, because I'm new school, some of y'all are with that, got my Bible, which has been duct taped together because I'm old school, and I think we're ready for today. God bless you, church. It's great to be with the family, Amen. Love being with you. Especially right now, I'm kind of lonely. If you don't know, my wife is actually out of town this week. And people wondering, how did you survive? How, how do you eat? And like I was single for a long time before I got married. You can still make a ham and cheese sandwich. As um, soon as she gets back here and buys some cheese for me. Um, <laughs> it's been an interesting week. My wife goes away. The washing machine breaks. I was going to do the... Laundry anyways, but whatever. Actually, I was. I Actually, I I do. I do the laundry. My wife is thankful for that. But anyways, let's say a prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the places that that you have brought us this week. We thank you for the, the things you put in our path. Whether they're expected or not, we thank you for letting us live this life, knowing that every moment is blessed by you. And help us to live that way. In your name we pray, thankfully, for this day, asking you to bless these words and our time. Amen. <clears throat> it's always kind of interesting to follow Chris, because I'm nowhere near as good as him. I've watched the man slay a dragon on stage before. Some of you all remember that sermon. But right now, we're actually we're in a... <clears throat> We're in a a series here on the the Holy Spirit moving in Acts, and today we're going to start off in Acts 14, and there's a lot going on in this chapter, but we're going to focus on one section of chapter 14. It's going to be on a town called Lystra. Now, Lystra isn't a big city. This isn't cosmopolitan kind of place. This isn't Chicago. This isn't New York City. We're, We're pretty far away from that, but I'll give you one thing. If you read this story, the people of Lystra are pretty interesting. But let's remember where we've been so far. We're going to play catch-up here for the last last two weeks. If you have your Bible, you can flip over to chapter 13. I know that's a long trip. It's okay. You can do it. In chapter 13, the apostles were in Paphos and had some fun with this Bar-Jesus guy and this Elymas guy. And if you remember this encounter, this is home of some of my favorite words from Scripture. Because, you know, I've probably said some pretty rotten things towards people before. But man, Paul lays it out, telling Elymas, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. Wow. Well, you can't preach that from a pulpit, can you? He lays into him. And then to follow that up, the I once was blind, but now I see Paul actually blinds him. A little point of justice in that? I think there's some fun going on. But then the apostles move on to Perga. Then to Antioch. And the people were believing the message. So things were going pretty well. And everything was going great. And then some of the Jewish population starts persecuting Paul and Barnabas and kick them out of the region. So how did Paul and Barnabas respond? Well, they get up. They dust the dirt off their sandals. You dust a little bit off your shoulder and you keep moving on. Because they're full of joy from the Holy Spirit. And when you are full of joy from the Holy Spirit, you can walk through the desert and be happy about this kind of stuff. <clears throat> And then then you get Iconium. Now Iconium looks a lot like Antioch as far as what happens. Paul and Barnabas preach, people believe, and then you get Jews and other leaders that get upset again. So this is kind of just copy-paste, pretty much on the last thing. Um, leaders, they plot to stone some of the travelers, some of our lo- beloved travelers. So they, Paul and Barnabas leave the city and, in search of other pastures. And in their, pa- in their wanderings, they come across a place called Lystra. Like we said earlier, Lystra isn't the big city. Now, they understand Paul. They understand Paul speaking in his language. But scripture in this section also tells you that these people are speaking their Lyconian dialect. So you get some local flair thrown into this. It's kind of like, um, when they talk about Lyconian dialect, I know it's like, what's a Lyconian dialect? It doesn't matter. The thing you need to know is this was just some language they were using that was really close to that area. Think of it like a biblical y'all. Sound good? Kind of let you know the the difference here. But let's take a look at this scene from Acts 14. Starting in verse 8. In Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet! At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus. Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to him. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes, rushed out in the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We're, we're only men, just like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food. Fills your heart with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowds from sacrificing from to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up, went back into the city. Next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium. And Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. They said. <clears throat> now I have to admit, when I first read this in preparation for the sermon, I, we were sitting out. We were sitting outside. Uh, Amber and I, and I started giggling to myself, kind of putting this whole picture together. And Amber said, like. Was that just a, a random laugh? Because I do that sometimes too. Was that a random laugh? Or is, is, are you reading something that's actually pretty funny? And I said, okay, well, well let me tell you a story. Because I read this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this to you how I see it happening. <clears throat> so, two apostles and a crippled guy walk into a bar. Uh, wait. Uh, <laughs> two apostles and a crippled man walk up to a gate. Or are at a gate. Paul and, Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas heal the man. He jumps up and starts walking around. And the crowd notices this kind of thing because people notice if there is a, a crippled man as part of the crowd, they will notice that he has always been crippled. But when this guy walks up, now think about this. If you were crippled from birth, and you had to get up, and you were able to get up and go walk around, what kind of walking around would you be doing? I mean, did he just get up and say, "Eh, just probably stretch a little bit before I go on that jog? I'll tell you one thing. If I had been crippled from birth, and I started walking around, I'd be saying hi to everybody. Hey, how you doing? Yes, I was crippled, but now I can walk. You see this? Yes, God is good all the time. I'd be making friends. And people would just be... Wait, what, wasn't that the guy that was crippled that wasn't? And naturally, when all the people see something like this, see this happen, this crowd goes nuts. And I mean, they go crazy. This is storm the field and take down the goalpost day in Lystra. The people here are worship Zeus, and they're perfectly okay with the idea of a god coming down to be around us. They're okay with that. There's no question about that. The only problem is that uh, these people, they believe in the idea of Zeus coming down and walking amongst them. The only problem with that, church, is that it has never happened. If your God isn't real, but you want to come down and walk, but it isn't real, it, it never has actually come down. Nobody has ever actually seen Zeus come down and with the people. So, Think about this. You're worshiping a guy you have never seen. All of a sudden, he comes down. Boy, this is your boss shows up at work day. Talk about important. This is the day, and, and the priests take it seriously. They run out of this. Or they start busting out the sacrifices, and all of a sudden, there is a moo of mourning goes over Lystra. The bulls didn't even see it coming. And the people are bringing bulls and wreaths to Paul and Barnabas. They're maybe thinking, man, this is one heck of a welcoming committee. If you walked into a town and people started shoving T-bone steaks on your plate, how happy would you be to visit this kind of place? But the people that are bringing the bulls and wreaths to Paul and Barnabas, they're maybe thinking this is, like I said, this is an awesome welcoming committee. These wreaths, this, this is better than the one I got in Hawaii last week on that trip. You remember that Barnabas? No. <laughs> the people are bringing these things to to them and calling them zeus and hermes they're saying the gods are there call them paul zeus and hermes now when you work for the one true god you really don't want to get confused with being called somebody else's god i don't think god's going to like that very much i do i have to admit i find it kind of funny that that barnabas gets to be zeus if you know much about mythology zeus is the big dog we think of Paul as the big dog. So why does Barnabas get to be Zeus? I imagine if they're anything like me or any of my friends, they were probably sitting around a campfire later and they're probably giving each other talking smack to each other. Like, you know, I'd make a better Zeus than you anyways. Come on. But then Paul and Barnabas rush out to the crowd because they finally figure out what's going on. These people are throwing this huge party to celebrate them, but they left the guest of honor sitting outside. Guest of honor comes. Paul and Barnabas jump in. They say, I'm just a regular person like you, tunic, just like you, beard, just like you, awesome sideburns, just like you. But while we're on the subject of me being just like you, um, I hate to break it to you, but this God, Zeus, that you're worshiping, he's about as real as the tooth fairy. So you probably shouldn't worship the tooth fairy. I love that scene. Now, we have to remember, church, over the, last, over the last chapters, we have seen the Holy Spirit. And we've seen it alive and we've seen it well. And what have we seen it doing? We have seen it moving. See, the Spirit likes to do, likes to do that. The Holy Spirit doesn't stay still very long. But let's pull this up. I want you to think like a map. I want you to pull up your Google Maps in your head, okay? Don't do it on your phone. Stay off your cell phone. I'm not going to buy for a second you're looking up a Bible verse. Pull up a map in your head. We take the big zoomed out version here of the map that we're looking at. And let's go through the track that they've gone through. Paul and Barnabas, okay. You'll see they've gone from Paphos to Perga. Now, since you're probably not Bible archaeology Professors, I'm not either. I'll let you know, Paphos to Perga is about a 175-mile trip. From Perga, then to Antioch, that's about 100 miles. Antioch to Iconium, that's about 85 miles. Iconium to Lystra, about 30 miles. And that's just tracking where the Holy Spirit has gone through in this section. So if in our big map, we see the Holy Spirit, and we see, yes, the Holy Spirit moved from here, Holy Spirit moved to here, Holy Spirit moved to here, Holy Spirit moved to here, then what we have to do is we got to zoom in. Because if we believe the Holy Spirit is moving in the big actions from city to city, then we better believe that the Holy Spirit is moving in the small actions being done by small people in a small town. And what is the message that the Spirit brings with it to Paul? It's got two points. Yeah, you don't get a three-point sermon for Paul. You get a two-point. You get a call to repentance and an appeal to... To creation as a witness to God. Now you've heard the turn or burn sermon kind of thing. Not too far off here. Turn from these worthless things. Turn to the living, creating God. Now the people here have passion. you got to give them credit for that. They're, they're They're misguided. (laughs) And Paul is clear to tell them they need to turn from worshiping these worthless things. He says, your God is not real. The one who created all of this is. Paul and Barnabas are really clear. We are not your gods. Do not worship us. As a matter of fact, not only are we not gods that are not to be worshipped, your gods aren't even real. And people didn't believe them. They kept bringing sacrifices to them. It's as if people said, if you aren't God, well, we're going to make you one. We're going to sacrifice to you. The people believed Paul and Barnabas were gods. And church, there is a message for you. Whatever you believe is God will be your God, even if it isn't really God or even real. And the Holy Spirit is trying to move in you to get you to turn away from that. All too often we fall into this trap of of worshiping things that, that forget aren't even God. We worship things that aren't even real. And I hate to say, but when we start worshiping a thing that is not God, we're playing with idolatry whether we want to admit it or not. Idolatry doesn't mean you have to have some little gold urn of a dragon or a cow sitting in your house to worship. You know the real, actually, you know the real sad part of idolatry? It means you're worshiping an idol. You are worshiping a stationary thing, which means you have to be stationary. And as we have seen in Acts, the Spirit is not stationary. God is moving, His Spirit is moving. And not only is the Spirit moving, but the Spirit needs to be moving us. And when that spirit moves inside of us, it tries to get us to move. See, just like the message of the people of Lystra, turn from these foolish things, turn to the one true God. Now, we have studied and studied and studied so many things in the Bible about people turning. We studied how Abraham turned from a pagan family to be the man of God's promise. We studied how the centurion in Luke 7 turns to Jesus And Jesus responds that he hasn't seen faith like this in all of Israel. We study how the thief on the cross turned to Jesus. And if you're sitting here thinking, Travis, I I don't know all those stories, but I love Jesus. Then, brother or sister, I congratulate you on letting the Spirit move in you or turn you away from, as Paul put it, foolish things. Your life is a story of turning, just like the one I mentioned. And church, when we see that God has turned us, or when we hear a story of God turning someone else, can we be as excited as the people of Lystra were? They saw an act of power and recognized it. They responded it. They went nuts. They saw an act of power, and we have the world's first big tent revival. These people go crazy. They were misguided. But they didn't lack for enthusiasm. They turned from what they were doing, and they turned to the power of the Holy Spirit, even though they didn't know it was the power of the Holy Spirit. Now how should we react to the Holy Spirit moving when we know what it is? Brothers and sisters, I'm just saying that we better be able to outpraise Lystra. We better be more willing to the, more willing for the Holy Spirit to move in us than Lystra was. We better be happier to sacrifice than Lystra was. We better know better. That's a, that's a recurring message in Paul's thoughts. If you're Christians, you should know better. <clears throat> now, you know, church, this, this calling, this uh, <clears throat> to turn from and to turn to. If you've read much, much of the Bible, you know, this is something God and the Holy Spirit really like to do. Like they like to make movements. Not, not just to mess with us. It's not like God is boring, so he's going to play with you like his personal little Rubik's Cube or something, give you a few spins, and you figure that out. It's not how God's going to work with you. But since the beginning of time, God has been calling and then empowering people to change. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, some of my favorite sections of Scripture. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Or, as one of my favorite songs puts it, if many little people in many little places do many little things, then the whole world changes. Church, we are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Are we willing to live that? verse continues, to God. Turn to God. Be reconciled to God. Turn from these things. Turn back to God. If the world has a lot of changes in movement, then it turns into a big change in the movement. So how can... So now can you see how in Acts 14, you remember we started off zoomed out on this map. And we saw the Holy Spirit moving from city to city to city. And then we zoomed in to our Holy Spirit moving in a specific sense with Paul and Barnabas. And then we kind of transfer that scene to you and to your life and the Holy Spirit moving in you. And as important as that is, church, you've got to remember you are not doing this alone because once again we have to zoom out and realize there is a church that God is trying to move through. And if we keep zooming out, there are towns, there are cities where the Spirit is trying to move. If we can read the New Testament, we can look back and we can see how the Holy Spirit was moving. In Paphos, Antioch, Iconium, and any other city that you probably can't pronounce. Then we better be able to believe that the Spirit is going to move right here in Fort Smith. Down the road in Greenwood. Down the road in Van Buren. Alma. Any of them. Because the Spirit is moving. It always has been. It always will be. And there is nothing that can stop it. And that's a good thing too, church. Because that's the only way this life and this world is going to get any better. All kinds of fake gods are going to come along begging for you to worship them and to sacrifice to them. It could be Facebook, email, politicians. It doesn't matter. You can put anything in there that tries to have a claim to fame, that tries to have a claim to power. And any time that you stand those things up next to God, the words are the same. Turn from it. Turn to it. Because whatever you believe is God will be your God. Even if it isn't God. and Even if it isn't real. But don't just turn from that fake God. Don't just turn from the idol trying to steal your time. Don't just turn away from it. I can, I can be looking at Spencer right here. I can be right here and I'm turned away from him. I'm not completely turned all the way. We can do the same thing with these powers. We say, I'll just keep you over here and I'll keep... Half of my view on you. God says 180. Turn from, turn to. What power do you need to turn away from? Because I guarantee you, I know what power you need to turn to. There is only one God of goodness, church. There's only one Prince of Peace, church. There's only one Holy of Holies, church. And the King of creation sits on His throne in Power. And he calls you to turn to him. Now, we are about to sing a song of invitation, a song of encouragement. Maybe there is something that you need to turn from. Some false god trying to hold on to you or demand your attention. Or maybe that's not the problem. Maybe the bigger problem, maybe you've turned from these things. Maybe the bigger problem is that when you were turning away from things, you just turned away from them. We need to turn towards God. about to have an opportunity. We'll be singing songs. Others will be in room 100 or down front. If there's anything we can do to help you turn from something or turn to God, we invite you to come while we stand and sing.